0: Paul Hammond from Get the Let Out. Thank you so much for calling today, taking the time to talk with me, Paul. Really appreciate it. Uh, You're very welcome. Happy to do it. (laughs) You guys are going to be playing a show at After Hours Concerts, Meadow Event Park uh, in Doswell, Virginia, tomorrow night. That is August 12th. Uh, The show starts at, uh, I believe... 7 p.m. Uh, Paul I'm really excited to talk to you in fact I- I'm really happy I'm talking to you there's a lot I want to know but first of all how long have you been with get the let out
1: uh, I've been with get the let out uh, believe it or not for 17 years Whew. yeah
0: man I bet it's been a long uh, a fun ride
1: it really has been a-, a fun ride and it doesn't seem that long I guess you know time flies when you're having fun and uh, it's been you know mostly a really great time yeah you, know?
0: you must be a die-hard Zeppelin fan right
1: I am a diehard Zeppelin fan. Uh, Fortunately enough, when I was a young child, uh, my father actually had Led Zeppelin 1 on reel-to-reel tape back (laughs) when that was a hi-fi standard. So, uh, you know, I can date myself in, you know, 1969. I was four years old, and my dad would play Zeppelin, and he had all the vinyl, too. And I was always intrigued by it about their, you know, the range of sound and music they had. Right. And, yeah, I I didn't really gravitate gravitate towards it as far as playing it until uh, the mid-70s. I'd say, like, 74, 75. Uh, But I started playing guitar in 1973, if you can imagine that.
0: Wow. So what is that, eight years old?
1: Eight years old, I started to play guitar, correct.
0: So you were, well, first, in 1969, you and your dad were couple of the early Zeppelin adopters, it sounds like.
1: Correct. Uh, my father was an audiophile who loved all the different modern bands of the day. So he had all the Beatles records on the first releases and uh, Deep Purple, Jeff Jethro Tull, <laughs> uh, you name it, all the great stuff that came out back then. He had it when it came out and would play the records. So we got to hear it all as young children. And I think that really influenced my musical taste and style So I was a bit ahead of the curve uh, when it came to actually doing a Led Zeppelin quote-unquote tribute band, because a lot of people don't consider us a tribute band, they consider us like uh, like a... Almost like a rock orchestra, like an authentic cover band. Yeah. You don't dress up like them and look like them. eh?
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's what I think a lot of Zeppelin fans need to really know and understand is that they're not going to see just random musicians play Zeppelin music. They're going to see the guys who may be even bigger Zeppelin fans than them playing Zeppelin music.
1: That's correct. And we're fans of the recorded music. Now, granted, Led Zeppelin Live was fantastic. Uh, that was a different era, and, you know, they were, they were one of the earliest jam bands. Although they're not like the Grateful Dead, they're like the Grateful <laughs> Dead. In fact, Jimmy Page would like to do a 20-minute Dazed Confused <laughs> with the extended bow solo, and I love that, you know, and the like, yeah. whole lot of love where they would throw in, like, Hello, Mary Lou, uh, hmm. you know what I mean? Like, they would throw in all this cool stuff live, but it was different. It was a different time. Hmm. It's one thing for Jimmy Page to do a twenty-minute extended solo. It's another thing for a guy, you know, who might be, you know, garage mechanic by day, but then goes out and does Zeppelin on the weekend. Yeah. people don't want to hear that as much as they want to hear what they remembered from the years of listening to it on vinyl, cassette, uh, uh, eight-track cartridges. Remember them? <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: I think that's that's a great point so you guys make it your goal to recreate what everybody has always has heard for years on the albums
1: that's absolutely correct and that's how we started out and that's part of the reason we're so well accepted and we've become extremely popular across the United States Uh, you know we made it to the point where we were doing 130 shows a year from, you know, Maine to Florida and, you know, New Jersey to California. We've been to uh, Canada. and I think I've been in, like, 47 of the continental United States. Jeez. Let's get the let out.
0: And how was going up to Canada? Are there just as many big Zeppelin fans up there?
1: Oh, yeah, they love <laughs> us there. Yeah, we play outside of Toronto at the uh, one of the art centers there, and we sell it out every time we go up. And uh, there's been word of us doing more touring in Canada uh, and some of that was already in play and set up before the bottom fell out of everything You know, a year and a half ago, yeah.
0: So I've got to know, how does one go about recreating Jimmy Page's sound? How do you prepare for that? How did you prepare for that?
1: Uh, that's a really good question. Fortunately for me, when I grew up and the lessons that I took, I was taught how to play guitar properly. <laughs> so I ended up having to learn how to sight read. I learned how to uh, read charts. I learned jazz theory. But my teacher was really cool, so he would say, oh, you got to learn this Yardbird song. over, (laughs) under, sideways, down. And I also learned how to... What I did, and this is great advice for any guitar player you want to play like, I learned the guitar player's influences. I don't learn just how to play like them. So I didn't learn how to just play like Jimmy Page. I learned how to play like... Reverend Gary Davis, fingerstyle acoustic blues. Uh, I learned how to play like Lightning Hopkins. Like uh, I learned Delta blues. I learned Chicago blues. I learned, well, of course I already knew jazz. Uh, Like I (laughs) learned how to play like Les Paul and guys like that. And then I also learned, you know, some of the uh, more modern funk and fusion. Jeff Beck's one of my favorite guitar players. Oh yeah. So yeah, I learned Jimmy Page's influences. So when it came time to play like him, it wasn't that much of a stretch. It was like, oh, okay, I can play all his different styles because I had already known them.
0: Right. And
1: then, right then, there's the sound and tone. I'm a very big, uh, I guess you could call, like, guitar junkie. I'm like an aficionado of the real deal stuff. <laughs> so I've been collecting guitars for, you know, probably now 35 years. So I had the instruments that sound like him, and when we play live when we're going to do a song, I'll switch a guitar for just one song. Like say we do like all my love, I'll use a B bender telecaster for those that oh, know what that is. Yes. Uh, you know, I will switch it up and we do all the alternate tunings. So, you know, the rain songs in an alternate tuning mm-hmm. from where our stop is in a different alternate tuning. And that's what we do to emulate Led Zeppelin on the records. We don't fake it. Uh, and we hold each other to task. All the members of the band will say, Hey, you're not doing that right, and we put all of our egos aside and say, "Well, let's listen to it." And like, you know, you're right. I have to revisit that or relearn it to make it closer to spec, whether it's the actual performance and the musical parts or the tone. If somebody's like too distorted on something, we'll say, "All right, back that off a little bit," and use a Fender Telecaster that's a little cleaner because that sounds more like the record. Right. That's our level of dedication to the craft of performing Led Zeppelin's music live.
0: Wow. And do you, uh, so just an aside real quick, do you use a Dan Electro at all on, on any of that? Uh, I guess he only did that in live shows, didn't he?
1: No. Uh, he used a Dan Electro for Kashmir in oh. the studio, which I use live, yes. Nice. And also uh, I use it when we do the rain song because that's what he used on the rain song in the studio. Most people don't know that, giving away some of our secrets. Huh. And then I also use it on Celebration Day because he also used it on that, too.
0: Yes. Oh, that's such an underrated song, just never got enough uh, recognition.
1: That's true. You're right. And that's an amazing song, and that's not an easy one to pull off. In fact, I think we're one of the few, if not the only Led Zeppelin cover band that can really do that the way it goes.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'll also say I love when you guys do Ramble On because you're able to get all of those musical textures in there that you originally I, heard on the album.
1: You are actually making my uh, case in point with that song because uh, that totally exhibits what Jimmy Page calls the light and shade of Led Zeppelin, where it starts <laughs> with this really nice rhythmic uh, acoustic part with uh, you know the soft-spoken vocal and uh, John Bonham tapping out the rhythm, and then it kicks in with the snare fill, and then it comes in like, you know uh, like you know thunder and lightning and the hurricane like where they do the chorus and the electric guitars kick in and then after the second verse it comes in with a electric harmony lead that's extremely sustained yes. you can't do that with one guy no you can't do that with one guitar player no matter how hard you try haven't seen it done yet
0: I, I tell you what, you, uh, you, I wanted to bring this up anyway. In that third verse, w- the part you were talking about, the lead part, it, it takes a trained ear to really pick that out when you're listening to the original recording. But once you do, it's all you can hear because it's so genius.
1: Correct. That's correct. And Jimmy Page was a engineering and production genius in the studio where he made it seamless. And they were cutting edge at the time. They were pushing the envelope to do things. They were treating the recording studio actually as a, an effect box. Now you can <laughs> buy an effect box that has all the presets in it that does everything you want it to do. And they were using the entire studio and everything they had at their disposal to create new sounds that nobody ever heard before, like the backwards echo. And um, a whole lot of love in the breakdown part. Like, they just left it because it was cool and it worked.
0: Right. Uh, and when the levee breaks, I think they did the reverse?
1: Yes, they did. You're absolutely right. On the leads at the end, yes. Oh, right.
0: that's right. I mean, that's right. another one where they just had a... Uh, Jimmy Page thought of this genius use of space uh, with the right. drums.
1: Right, where they mic'd the drum. Uh, they did a room mic in the stairwell of Hedley Grange and it created the slap echo that's in time with the actual drum beat and it it creates this well i think they delayed the delay like they delayed the room with one of his old tape echo units so yes that actually creates this rhythmic effect that makes the music pump now that's used more widely now but they were the originators of that you know they were uh Ahead of their time.
0: There's all of these things that go into playing Led Zeppelin music at the level that you guys do. So many things to think about. I mean, I'm just amazed at what you guys are able to pull off on stage, honestly. And I, uh, that's, I'm just really grateful to get to talk to you about this stuff because I am a big Jimmy Page devotee.
1: Oh well, that's fantastic. And you know, uh, I echo that sentiment because I've always been a, a huge Jimmy Page fan. And anything we can do to get humanly closer to emulating what they did, uh, it's just a win for, you know, both parties, for us and all the fans and, you know, the people that appreciate what we do.
0: Did I see, all, you do play the mandolin with the band as well, right?
1: I do, so I do have a little John Paul Jones influence in me as well. <laughs> in fact, he's one of the, uh, he's a, like an unsung hero. Yeah. John Paul Jones is probably the most... Musically rounded and proficient player out of all the guys in Zeppelin, because he could play guitar, he could sing, he can play mandolin, he can play bass, he can play keyboards, he can actually orchestrate parts. You know he can uh, right. do the score. you know like for Kashmir and other songs like that. Like he can literally write it all down and have it <laughs> performed how he wants it to be performed. So, yeah, brilliant he is.
0: And do you guys have a – do you change the set list up much? Do you go in each night thinking we're going to do these different songs from last night? Or how does that work?
1: It does, yes. We change the set list up every night because we have fans and people, like friends and fans and family, that come see us multiple times all over the country. And so they'll fly in or drive four or five hours to see us. And they might have seen us the night before hundreds of miles away and so we don't want it to be the same thing so if we do four shows in a row every show is going to be different <laughs> with different songs and the way our sets usually work is we do an opening song that you know gets people right out of the gate with you know something that everybody knows you right. know cast the wildest So it'll be rock and roll or good times bad times or immigrant song mm. and then you know we do a couple other well-known songs uh, we'll always put uh, songs like Ramble On, Dave, I'm Gonna Leave You, like, standards in the set, as well as, you know, We'll Always Do Whole lot of Love and Stay Away to Heaven, "Cashmere," all the standards that people know. However, there's a lot of latitude to do deeper cuts, like we'll do In the Light or oh, wow. Ten Years Gone uh, or like I said earlier, like Celebration Day. And so there's something there for everybody, whether you're a casual Zeppelin fan that just knows their biggest hits, or whether you're – a died in the world hardcore Zeppelin fan that knows all the obscure stuff, we're going to do something for you, too. Now, those obscure songs and, like, the uh, ones that are lesser known, they get rotated out. So uh, one night, you know, we might do Hot Dog, but <laughs> the next night we'll do All My Love. So that's what keeps people coming back because they know it's never going to be the exact same show every single time
0: oh exactly i think that's great for fans to hear especially ones who may not have seen you guys play before and that's that's what i've been focusing on with you guys in this show uh by the way again coming up after hours concerts at meadow event park uh, tomorrow night get the let out uh i've been focusing on what the fact that you guys really do this music justice and that you don't you take it seriously, basically, and you're going to play the songs that they want to hear and play them well.
1: No, and we do. Our aim is to recreate the iconic recorded music of Led Zeppelin in a live concert experience. So you're going to hear it as if you're listening to it through a 20,000-watt hi-fi stereo system played by real rock guys. Like, we're not lab tech sitting on stools with, you know— Uh, headphones and you know the sheet music in front of us and stuff we are real deal rock guys that are steeped in this music and love it and so we present it as a rock concert with all the lights and uh, you know the uh, fog and the haze and you know uh, we love to rock out so you're going to see a real rock concert of guys playing Led Zeppelin the way you remember it being played over the radio and from your CDs and all for years. So you're not going to be disappointed. If you like Led Zeppelin, well, then you're going to love Get the Led Out.
0: (laughs) And uh, I, I can't wait. I, I am sure we're all going to enjoy it, all of us Zeppelin fans, but I personally cannot wait. Uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, Get the Let Out After Hours Concerts at Meadow Event Park uh, tomorrow night. That's August 12th, uh, 7 p.m. And uh, this is Paul Hammond, guitarist for Get the Let Out and man- mandolinist. Is that
1: Mandolinist, that is proper, I think. Yes, mandolinist and acoustic guitarist. And uh, I could play the theremin too. In fact, we use the theremin live to emulate some of the sounds from lot of Love. And uh, special effects technician, you know, whatever they use live, I've been able to actually implement live see, various methods, you know, analog and digital. You know, we use some digital processing, but we use no backing tracks at all. And we've been accused of that in the past. Uh, I think some of our competitors are people that weren't too happy about the level of our success. We're like, right. well, the they use backing tracks. They're playing along the tapes or tracks because it sounded like that. So right. that's the biggest compliment we could get. Right. People say, no, oh, they're playing along with tracks. Well, guess what? We're not.
0: No, you're just playing it that well.
1: Uh. Yes. And we've been accused of playing along the track, which is really funny. But no, we don't. Uh. We're old school.
0: Oh, one one thing. Did you, uh, so back, going back to when you first started uh, doing Zeppelin music, were you learning these songs by ear originally?
1: I uh, guess for the most part, because, you know, back then, some of the music books really weren't that good. Like Led Zeppelin Complete which was the music book you would get if you wanted to play Led Zeppelin when you were a kid in the 70s. It was a bad facsimile of the Led Zeppelin songs. It was like the, the vocal melody and then a little block at the top with the chord. There was no way you could get close, so you had to learn it by ear. So we would do what, you know, you would know since you're in the uh, broadcasting industry, the needle drop, where you would drop the needle on the uh, turntable hoping to get it at the part that you wanted to learn and then lift it back up and then do it again to try and go over that part and get it as close as possible. Now, as time went on, then you had the cassette player. And then, you know, we all learned all this stuff, you know, way before the advent of the internet. And then books got better, where they started to come out with books that were written in standard notation and tablature. And tablature for guitar is good. However, we've been through every single Led Zeppelin music book known to mankind, and there's only a couple that are really accurate. There's a lot of wrong transcriptions out there of zeppelin so we would do what we would call like a three-point approach with get the let out to learning them which would be standard notation music tablature and then uh listening to it and deciphering it because we were all i was ear trained with music theory at uh, high school and college level so that helps mm. uh and then we would watch videos of jimmy page yeah. to see where his hand was yeah. on the neck, yep. because Jimmy Page Live would take one part of the studio recording, <laughs> and he would choose which one to do, like in the ocean. There's like three guitars or four guitars in different parts of that song, yeah. but when he did it live, he would pick one of them. So we could at least decipher part of it through the video. So yeah, it was really like uh, the uh, multifaceted approach to learning stuff the way it really goes, but Yes, back in the day, it was definitely all ear.
0: Yeah, I, I I just figured I'd ask because now of course, you know, younger younger guys and girls that are learning the guitar have the internet, YouTube, oh, let me go look up the tutorial, how to play Whole Lotta Love. Uh, oh
1: yeah, we still use that, believe it or not.
0: Oh yeah, oh I can imagine it's still helpful.
1: It's very helpful, yeah. that In fact, that made it even easier, but we already had the unfair advantage from like years and years of doing it before right. that, so. Uh like everybody in uh get the let out has a superior ear. yeah, And they can pick out pitch and tonality and timing like better than, you know, most musicians actually, because Zeppelin <laughs> it's just comprised of intricate melody and uh timing and like uh, tone. It's not it's not cut and dry. It's not a 1-4-5 blues progression. It's actually really deep. Like, even their blues aren't standard. I, I'm often asked, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin sign to play? One of them is Since I've Been Loving you, off of Led Zeppelin three. Mm. But the C minor blues, however, it's not a standard blues progression. It's got the different parts and breakdowns that totally separate it from any other type of blues progression. So that's where, you know, the innovation comes in and also right. the, the the ability to have to separate yourself from the standard uh, forms of music to learn Led Zeppelin. You can't just fake it. If you went into a bar and people have a open mic and you're like, hey guys, let's play since I've been loving you. Their faces are going to... Like, go blank. (laughs) I was going to glaze over
0: because you can't do it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, part of, I guess, Jimmy Page's sometimes untraditional approach to music. Uh, And I I think that just goes to show how well you guys are able to kind of step into that mindset and really do the music right.
1: It's true, and it's not easy. Uh, Led Zeppelin's music wasn't written the formula You know, after a certain point in time In the record business, the music business People complain, oh, you know, that's formulaic Like the the pop song formula And, you know, with the advent of the 80s With, you know, everything sounded the same To a degree You lost all that individuality Uh, You know, case in point Back in the day, if you heard Zeppelin on the radio In like the mid-70s, you'd immediately say That was Zeppelin Or if you heard uh, Jethro Tull, you'd be like, that was Jethro Tull, Black Sabbath, oh, that's Black Sabbath. You Deep Purple, oh, you knew that band immediately. Sometimes, like these days, like, I, you know, I hear stuff on the radio, and I, I don't know what band it is, you know, <sighs> it could be Nickelback or something, not that I mind Nickelback, but you know what right. I mean, like there's certain, like, styles of performed music that it just all sounds the same.
0: It it really I wholeheartedly agree, and I've I've actually wondered in the past uh, if that has anything to do with the difference between analog recording and digital recording.
1: Some of it does. Uh, when analog recording was in its heyday, a lot of the music had to be written before it was committed to tape because recording the tape extremely expensive, even more so now than it used to be, but. That's why you needed these really big re- record company budgets, right. and you had to know what you were doing to make it sound good. And you had to be a great player. You had to be able to play the songs from start to finish. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was some studio trickery. There was some like punch-ins and punch-outs or tape editing and splicing. Sure. And Zeppelin did a little bit of that themselves too, but not on the fir- very little on the first record. Yeah. And you could come up with effects and all, but it wasn't as easy or cookie cutter as using a digital recording setup like Pro Tools. Which I'm extremely familiar with. That made everybody able to sound perfect, so you could timing correct it, pitch correct it, and basically make it this homogenized uh, product that you could put out that wasn't in the least bit offensive. So to me, that makes it more superfluous, where the average listener can listen to it and nothing's going to really jump out, and they're going to be like, "That's good." It's like, uh, it's like a. Uh, like a McDonald's hamburger. There's millions served. Doesn't necessarily mean it's as good as like a burger that they cook at your, uh, like steakhouse out of like prime rib or something. You know what I mean? Like there's varying levels. And so whereas cookie cutter pop music, you know, is one thing Zeppelin and all the music that was recorded analog was more organic and they left stuff in there. Even like the Beatles, as great as they were, you'll hear stories of them doing 60 takes for one song and, they picked the one that spoke to them the most. And that song still might not be perfect, yeah, but it Horton. has a vibe and feel. Yeah, fortunately, right. And I think as a human being, you relate more to slight imperfections because life isn't perfect, yeah, as we all know. And so if you hear a song that's authentic and honest and has the vibe and the sound, then you're going to gravitate towards that. And I think that explains Led Zeppelin's popularity to this day as well as bands like The Beatles, Pink Floyd, Grateful Dead. Well, there's bands that are so iconic, they didn't make it so it was so seamless and perfect that you couldn't poke a stick at it. You can hear mistakes all over Led Zeppelin records, but most people don't hear them, and they, they become endearing once you hear them. You're like, oh, do you hear that note? And it's like, you're still going to love it. You're still going to listen to it. You're not going to say, oh, my God, that's wrong. You're exactly. Say, that's great. You know?
0: Yeah, you come to love those little imperfections. Correct. I, I totally agree, and even uh, look forward to him in some cases.
1: And You know, we do that live, actually. There's a few specific errors or blips that we put into the music, and those who know, know, they're like, oh my god, I can't believe he did that. He actually hit that little mistake.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Page had that style where, uh, you know, sometimes yeah. he would have these little things, and I don't know how to describe it, but I hear it in, in y'all's playing sometimes, too.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, where it's it's tight but loose. That's how Jimmy Page described it. And he's right, where there's different ways to play one note. You can play one note a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you can hit it and just blandly hit it and let it sustain, and it's done. Or you can attack it viciously, and the attack is way louder than the sustain. Or you can barely hit it at all, where it's a very, like, timid hit. Or you can wiggle it, or you can bend it. There's, you know, like B.B. Like King, he could say more with one note than most guitar players can say with 50. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Page was a master of that, and the, the case in point, the song I love playing the most, or one of them uh, since I've Been Loving You, just the way the feel of that attack and touches from the intro of that song till the riff blazes in, uh, it's amazing. It's like that That level of touch sensitivity is something that makes Zeppelin and sets sets the old analog recording style apart a lot from the new style, where it's all, it's all one. It's all the same... Pressure and attack and everything. So it's there. There's no there's no zero to 10. It's either all 10. You know what I mean? It's like they're all 100.
0: Exactly. That totally that reinforces your points from, uh, you know, from earlier. Yeah, uh, just exactly. it, it goes to show why they had such peaks and valleys, not in quality, but in sound. Uh, Correct. in their records. And
1: in touch. Correct, it's true.
0: And uh, Paul, do you plan to stay with Get the Light Out and keep playing Zeppelin music for the foreseeable future, for the rest of your life even?
1: I do, uh, because it's been such a good time and I love the music. I've been asked in the past, well, you must have played Stuart Heaven a thousand times and do you still like playing it? And you know what? I do, <laughs> because it's a great song and I'm not upset with it. I love it. So why would I not want to do it? And I think you know, with, along with our singer Paul Sinclair, uh, we feel like we'll do it until we physically can't because besides loving to play Led Zeppelin and travel and, you know, play for all these uh, fans that love the music so much, uh, it, 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 it's just the ability to do other things, you know, when we're not with Dead the Lett. I've worked on a lot of uh, different folks' music over the years to help them realize their dreams as far as, like, putting out records or... Uh, you know, I have a private recording studio I run where I do mastering work and oh, wow. I've worked for a lot of people in the business and on many different levels in different fields. So it's just part of it. It's like, you know, they, they get the let up thing. It's a very solid act and organization and brand and Honestly, we see it continuing on after we can't do it anymore. You know, I might end up being my own guitar tech someday. If I can't do it, well, hire me. You might get the gig, you know, and you'll be the new Jimmy Page and get all that out. So who knows? Uh, But we are really going to continue it as long as humanly possible, possible and hopefully keep it going for the future.
0: That's great to hear. And uh, again, Get the Lead Out are playing at After Hours Concerts, Meadow Event Park. Tomorrow night, that's August 12th. Show starts at 7. Uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with me today, Paul.
1: Oh, you're very welcome now.
0: I mean, really enjoyed it. And I feel like I've learned a lot, honestly.
1: Oh, well, that's good. I, you know, it's so deep the Led Zeppelin catalog mm. and the history. And I mean, from all different aspects and perspectives. So it's like a never-ending well that you can just keep going back to and tap into, and you'll always find something new, and we find that even in the songs where we'll we'll perform the Led up on songs for 10 years, and then somebody will say, hey, listen to that little thing you do that and be like wow now that just got right right past us and then we'll learn it and refine it to make it even better so it's been an ongoing thing over the years to keep refining it and to keep making it as best as humanly possible for us and for everybody that comes to listen to
0: us there's always something new to learn or something new to discover it's true yeah really appreciate it paul and really also looking forward to uh you guys show tomorrow night get the let out uh this is paul hammond uh guitarist for get the let out uh thanks man
1: Ah, oh, you're very welcome, Alex, and uh, I look forward to seeing you.